Every time you reach the top of another hill, be looking for the next hill and actually be looking for the next valley too, because even though it's going to be scary going in it, the only way you can get to the next hell, hell and that and that excitement and that elation is by going through that valley. Um, and, you know, sometimes the valleys will be simple and shallow and and sometimes they'll be swamp infested with dragons flying over and dead bodies floating <laughs> in the water. It's a Lord of the Rings reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Junkies, episode 76. If you're new to the show, this is The Podcaster's Voice. It's the show where we talk to engaging, fantastic personalities behind the microphone who host their own show and who I like to get to know a little bit better and I want you to know a little bit better and get an insight into their personalities. So we talk about all things podcast related and not podcast related. If you missed last week's episode, we had a fun conversation with Eric and Grace of Under the Comic Covers. They're part of my podcasting family, Podcastica, and it was a nice opportunity to get to know them a little bit better and to have you, the listeners, uh, get a little peek behind or under the comic covers, if you will, uh, to see what makes them tick. I was thinking about the intro to the show, and I always like to welcome new listeners, and regular listeners will hear this intro uh, week in and week out, so um, I'm, I, I thank you for the patience you have in listening to this, or, or maybe you're just forwarding to this. I still love you guys. Uh, a friend of mine was listening to the podcast, someone who is not a regular podcast listener, but was visiting my wife and I for the holidays. Hello, Juan Carlos. I'm talking to you. And uh, you know that uh, you don't really mention your name at the beginning of the podcast. And I was like, you're right. And I think part of that was a bit of maybe maybe fear is the word of mind, apprehension, or I don't know, some other imposter syndrome as to not going like full out, full bore with me injecting myself as the personality behind the show, really relying on podcast junkies as as the brand and as being what's up front and center with regards to this podcast. The funniest thing about Podcast Junkies, the name is when people on social media, they're like, hey guys, uh, please check this out or check out our podcast or thanks for the support, guys. First of all, it, it could be a guy and a girl or it could be all girls or it could be what it really is, just me. <laughs> and my name is Harry Duran. For those of you that actually don't know, uh, I am the host of this show and it's just me and I've been doing it since April of 2014. So... I think uh, it's probably a nice thing to do every now and then, let you know who is uh, the captain of this ship and who's uh, the MC for your uh, evening or morning or afternoon festivities. So I appreciate, again, like I said, all my new listeners, all my existing listeners, and all my listeners who aren't listening yet. Make sure you uh, tell a friend. And we'll uh, listen to the end of the episode when I have a retention hashtag. And that's really for what I call podcast junkies, junkies to tweet about and to just, it's a little thing we do to, to let me know who's listening. And uh, if you were listening last week and paying attention, um, there was a surprise there at the end. And a couple of people did it and now they, they get their free gift from me. 
In case you missed it last week, we spoke to Eric and Grace of Under the Comic Covers, and they're members of my podcast, The Go Family. And related to that, we have some very good news. We get to welcome a new member to Podcastico. It's the One Mind Meditation Podcast hosted by Morgan Dix. And Morgan, as you might remember, loyal listeners, he was on episode, let's see now, going back here, I'm looking at my notes. I knew this would take longer than I thought. 71, 71, sorry. Uh, I was looking back at my uh, post-it board. He was episode 71 and we talked about uh, meditation and I had the, the... uh, the privilege of being on his show, and we talked for almost an hour about meditation. So um, he's been a longtime friend, and uh, as soon as I was on his show, I shared um, the podcast with my fellow Podcastica members, and we were all in agreement that it would be amazing to have him as part of the Podcastica family. So him and his business partner, Tom, have joined us, and we're extremely happy to have them on board and as members of the Podcastica family. So we should be up updating the site pretty soon. Um, but when you get a chance, go head on over to aboutmeditation.com uh, for the fantastic podcast. And it's just another way we're rounding out the variety of shows that we have on Podcastica. So this week, uh, in my efforts to branch out, I am always participating in uh, Facebook groups and blabs related to podcasting. And a couple of weeks ago, I met Ron Dawson. And let me just tell you guys, this is a fantastic show. And the minute I heard it, I started to binge listen on all the old ones. And uh, I knew I knew right away I was going to have him on the show. So I reached out. We were able to make the uh, schedule work. And as you can tell, once I'm done talking here, we hit it off uh, very well. And that's why this is an hour plus conversation, like all my super fun ones are. So um, I'm glad you're going to get to know him. I, th- I think he's a really, really nice guy. Uh, like I said, we, we were hitting on all cylinders in terms of cultural references. We have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. And uh, now I'm happy that you get to know Ron Dawson of Radio Film School. So, Mr. Ron Dawson, thank you for being a guest on Podcast Junkies. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so, I always like to um, put some context uh, in in here in terms of how how we connected, and, and it's just a reminder of all the different ways we can find each other, and um, why it's important for podcasters to just keep trying different platforms. And, and so, we connected on Blab. Right, right. And uh, it, it was interesting because I was, I was, it was a podcast fan day that Blab put together. And for the listener who don't, who doesn't know what Blab is, it's a much easier form of uh, online chatting with video than than Google Hangouts or maybe what Google Hangouts aspires to be someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in a way, it's kind of similar to Periscope too, because yes. it's you know it's a way to do you know on demand video um, streaming. Yeah, and so I was following a couple of uh, friends that I had in the podcasting space, and then you popped into one of the chats, and uh, we we engaged. And I'm always curious as to what people's podcasts are, so I started. Um, I, I looked at yours, and then I think later on that day, I I checked out one of the episodes, um, and I was just really impressed with the quality of it, and I, I started. As as I'm um, prone to do, fell down the rabbit hole of podcasting and, and binged listened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, appreciate that. So yeah, and, and I and I thought, um, and then the more I listened to the show, 
the references you put you were putting in there were killing me because we're obviously from the same generation <laughs> <laughs> and you were like dro- you're dropping brady bunch references <laughs> i love lucy samples i was like oh man this is crazy we're gonna have yeah, a good time yeah. Well, yeah, to give people context for what uh, Harry's talking about, I start each episode with a story or anecdote that I like to uh, uh, connect to whatever the topic is that day in some crazy way. And uh, and part of uh, what I like to do is dip into my uh, my pool of nostalgia and pop culture nostalgia from when I was a, just a tad, just a lad. A wee lad. Yeah, like, yeah just a wee lad. But it's funny because it reminds me of that HBO show that came out. Um, one of the, I don't know, when, when it was about this kid who grew up on TV. I don't know if you remember that show. And oh. all his references were about like TV because he was like he raised grew up on it. On TV, you grew up was Wa- watching, watching it, watching it. And it's just like the oh, mo- there's a montage familiar. in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it was a montage in the beginning of just him stuck in front of the TV screen. And just interesting. All yeah. those shows had an influence of, on, on how he was later in life. Well, you know, one of the things, I don't know if I've talked about this on this show, but growing up as a kid, during my formative years, I was raised by a single mom. And my brother and I, every Saturday, would watch TV literally from about six in the morning to like, till we went to bed at night, like nonstop television. Wow. Um, and part of that was because because my mom, you know, was a single mother who worked as a nurse. She often worked midnight shift. And so Saturdays was her uh we was her day to catch up on some much needed sleep so we the tv in essence was a built-in at home babysitter yeah so which for a lot of you know kids growing up in the 70s who had single parents i'm sure that was the case so yeah we'd be camped out in front of television all day saturday and stop to eat lunch (laughs) and, (laughs) and dinner and then go back um so uh and then I don't know if it was called this, but I guess I was also somewhat of a latchkey kid. Um, I don't even know if that's a term that's used anymore, but yeah. growing up, I, I do remember when I was in the second grade, my my elementary school was right across the street from the apartment complex where we lived. And if my mom wasn't home, you know, when I got home, I would let myself in. So I guess technically that's a latchkey kid. And I would jump right to uh, Lost in Space uh that was one of my favorites growing up um had a huge crush on penny marshall <laughs> you had a couple of crushes if i'm i had a lot of crushes <laughs> i had a lot of i had a crush on pretty much every pretty girl i saw on tv from tootsie to tootsie. do you remember that show electric woman and diana girl yes um uh, i don't know if it was hannah barbera or sid and marty croft huge crush on electric woman who was like a star on uh uh, as the world turns, as a, as, a, as it turns out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so just, started, Harry. just to round off your crushes, it was, uh, you also had a crush on one of the Brady girls. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I guess most kids growing up liked Jan. No, like Marsha. Yeah. I was, I always had a thing for Jan. Um, and I in the episode where I talk about that, it's funny because my wife, my wife is blonde. I'm African American for those who don't know, but my wife is. A blonde middle child so i don't know if that's a jan thing or <laughs> or a marcia thing <laughs> it's not a marcia thing she was a middle child but uh, uh but, the, yeah. but the blonde right marcia's blonde. blonde but they were all blonde wasn't jan wasn't like brownish brunette no, no? they were all blonde. i were think blonde. there's an okay. episode where she dyed her hair or something or she tried to differentiate herself but yeah all the girls you know you know growing up you know three 
three little girls all with hair of gold. Remember that? It's, <laughs> yes. it's an open song, Harry. <laughs> Of course, of course. How could how could I forget that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was uh, the middle uh, boy because we had there's four siblings. There's a younger sister, and then there's three boys, and I was the middle boy. Oh, so I I, I I was always uh, uh, vibing with uh, Peter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I grew up a television kid, and, and now I incorporate a lot of those uh, stories sometimes into the opening anecdotes for my show. You also had a thing for uh, Dorothy, right? I did, but who didn't? Come on. Who didn't? And I made a point to say that heterosexual guys can have a thing for Dorothy. Because, <laughs> you know, there's that whole thing about gay guys. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's funny. Thing into her. So, but yeah, I had, uh, uh, you did your homework. You're awesome. I had, uh, it was an episode. We did a, oh, we did a Wizard of Oz special. But I remember I used to daydream about like rescuing um, Dorothy from the witch when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Did, how, 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 how thoroughly did you have this scenario mapped out? I don't remember. I don't remember. I just, uh, but I did, I really had a thing for like the girl next door. So Gilligan's Island, I was, uh, you know, I was, who was it? It was either Ginger and Marianne. Ginger and Marianne. I was Marianne. Okay. <laughs> like Ginger didn't do anything for me as a kid, but Marianne, and it wasn't because the short shorts, like <laughs> as, as, we, but some people might think. I think it was she just. There was something about the girl next door that the sensitive kid in me really connected with. Very so, cool. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's more of that, uh, like finding the librarian hot aesthetic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. Well, my wife loves to read. Okay. So she's um. Uh, I don't know if that. I you said librarian. My wife's not one, but she loves to read. So. So, um, yeah, it was just interesting because there's, there's so many cultural references that shape who we are. And then, you know, the fact that you bring it into the show is, is really a lot of fun. And it just, you know, I, I think I always tell podcasters all the time, you know, they, they get so stuck in their topic that they show day in and day out, week in, week out, whatever they know, they talk about their topic and they don't al allow any of their personality to come through. And I think what you do by bringing back those references, you know, it puts a smile on my face and anyone from our generation, I'm sure it does as well. And then, and then you have these sessions where you're just rapping with your, your, your boy, JD. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, those are some of my favorite. Uh, so those are some of my favorite episodes because, you know, for, again, to give context for people listening, my show is, I like to call it This American Life for Filmmakers. So it's a, it's a, it's a documentary-style podcast. It's scripted. Um, but the segments where I do interject, and so I'll take bits and pieces from interviews I do with filmmakers and other artists, and I kind of cut them into the show. So those interviews obviously aren't scripted, but the parts I do in between are. But whenever I have segments with my friend JD, uh, like other... Like other interviews, they're not scripted, but because he and I have this rapport that goes back, you know, all the years that we've known each other, whereas filmmakers, we would stay up late at night debating about movies and stuff like that. That kind of comes out. And he and, you know, because for friendship, he can talk to me and, you know, clown me all he wants on the show. And I think it makes for good content on the show, too. Definitely so. does. Yeah. So, you know, you talk a lot about in the, in the first couple of episodes, how you were inspired, um, you know, how you were, um, 
inspired to go down the, the path of, of filmmaking. But I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what was inspiring you at the time you decided you wanted to start a podcast and, um, and then add to it or, or give it the aesthetic that this, this high quality that is, seems like it's very important to you for, for everything that you do. Yeah, actually, I have a great story behind that. So I originally actually started podcasting back in 2007. So this podcast is actually the third that I've had over the years. And, uh, you know, I started my video production company in 2002. And in 2005, like a lot of videographers, I started off primarily doing weddings. And then in, 2000, um, in 2007, five years into my into my gig as a wedding videographer, I made a switch to doing primarily corporate work, which is what I do now. And uh, in 2007, I did a video for uh, an, org a, an expo called WPPI, the Wedding and Portrait Photographers International. It's like one of the largest photographer conventions in the world. And uh, in doing that, I end up doing a end up doing a lot of work for the professional photography industry. <laughs> Excuse me. So. It turned out that it became like a niche of mine. Now, there is this interesting dynamic between photographers and videographers where photographers oftentimes don't look too highly of videographers, at least back then. And it's kind of different now, especially with DSLRs. And so I didn't want to be looked at as the quote unquote video guy when I was going around and doing all of these uh, videos for the photography industry. So I started a podcast where I was interviewing high-profile photographers um, on my show, very similar to very similar to the Terry Go Gross show, uh, Fresh Air. So I called my show, it was F Stop Beyond, and I called it Fresh Air for photographers. Cool. And so, I know, I think I have this thing for like NPR-style <laughs> titles and, and, and nomers, and so... I started I started that podcast really as a as a marketing strategy so that when other photographers heard me or saw me, instead of seeing me as Ron Dawson or instead of seeing me as that video guy, as that video guy, they would say, "Oh, there was Ron Dawson, co-star of F Stop Beyond or host of F Stop Beyond," and so it was a really a way to kind of put myself on the same pedestal as some of these photographers that I knew a lot of people I was working on were going to be um we're going to be uh, admiring. And so I did that show for a couple of years and it was just pretty much like a one-on-one -on -one interview with um, photographers and I interviewed people like Chase Jarvis and Vincent LaFrey and Jerry Guionis and all these, you know, big names in the, in the wedding and commercial photography space. Um, and I really got into it and I did that for a couple of years, but as a filmmaker, I was kind of missing out on talking to other filmmakers, like the way I talked to photographers. So, in 2010, I, I ended F-Stop Beyond and I started uh, a podcast called Crossing the 180, which was essentially the same thing as uh, F-Stop Beyond, but instead of primarily speaking with photographers, I was speaking with filmmakers. So it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation with filmmakers, again, like a 45-minute show or whatnot. And then at the end of 2013... At the time, podcasting for me was just a side project. Like I had some sponsorships, but it was not like my main focus as a business. And um, uh, at the end of 2013, I decided that with the copious free time that I had, I wanted to work on my passion project films as opposed to podcasting. And so I ended up crossing the 180 
Um, and so for a couple of years, I didn't do any kind of podcasting. And then last year, which would be 2015 now, my wife and I were talking and we decided, you know, we should, because we moved from Atlanta to Seattle. And so we came in this area. And so we said, you know, we should look into other business uh, models uh, other than just video production. Because right now, when you... The way I make my money is I shoot video for companies and organizations and make videos out of them. But we want to create some type of system of being able to generate revenue through content that we would produce. So what I what we talked about was bringing back podcasts. And I didn't by this time podcasting had become starting to become popular. There are a lot of podcasts in the film and video space that were starting and they were all interview based. So I didn't want to do another interview based one. So as I've mentioned on the show, I toyed around with doing sort of like a talk show style with JD and his wife. Um, she was unable to do it for because she started to work for Netflix. And so I decided if I'm going to do this, I want to do something different. And so I decided that I was going to make my show like This American Life, which was, you know, I'm a big fan of where I would interview a bunch of filmmakers and have a specific topic I would talk about on each show. And then this pull from each um, interview, sound bites and segments that kind of relate to that topic. And as far as I know, like it was the only filmmaking related podcast that is that style, you know, that is the storytelling, narrative, um, journalistic documentary style, as opposed to the straight one-on-one -on -one interview style. And so I knew if I was going to go back into it, I would have to do something that would really stand out. And that's what I did. And that's why it sounds so awesome. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of work goes into it. Sometimes I think, like in the beginning, I was thinking this a lot. I mean, I'm starting into my groove now, but like over the first few, I was like, oh my gosh, what the hell have I gotten myself into? Um, well, I, I think it's just a testament to how seriously you were taking it and the fact that you've done a couple already. Yeah. Um, in essence, what you did is you created a, a love letter to podcasting. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that's uh, a reference back to uh, one of your episodes where, yeah. you, talk, where you talked about uh, love, uh, directors making what they call a love letter to, to the movies. To cinema. <laughs> to yeah. cinema, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the, your first time episode. And I was using love as a metaphor for your first time as a filmmaker. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, I like how you you make copious use of movie samples too. So you know, those always bring a smile to my face. And yeah, and there must be a lot of research involved in finding um, just focusing focusing on the on the snippets, the movie snippets, for example, to find the right piece that's going to convey the right mood. Um, because you know, the ones you've been picking so far have been spot on, and and they sort of set the context for what you're going to talk about in that episode. Well, it's funny you say that, Harry, because my wife joked about this on a Facebook post where she was commenting about one of the episodes, and she said something to the fact, like, now like now you have a reason to use something like, it was jokingly, but it was in and in love, but something like the lines, like, now you have an excuse to use all those uh, moving TV references, because I'm always throwing out movie and television references to her and she's not a I mean she likes movies but she's not as crazy about them as I am she's a reader and so I'm always throwing out I'm I'm always throwing out all of these movie and television references that seemingly come out of nowhere and um so I, I honestly actually don't have to do a lot of research because it's already <laughs> it's there already. 
it's really the other way around. It's like, okay, how can I come up with a an, an episode, an excuse to use like all of these uh, movie um, these movie sound bites that are throwing, rolling around in my head. That's funny because I do I do something similar because I grew up as a DJ. Um, oh, cool! And I grew up like spinning vinyl and uh, although like like a, like a party DJ or like a radio DJ. No, like a party DJ. Like I oh. I mean, if you could see behind me, you could Mixing see my scratching. My, there's my nice. vinyl and my turntables right there oh. as well. So awesome, man! Yeah, Looks so I, good. I learned on old school how to beat match on on vinyl. So <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. And then I grew up, uh, you know, early '80s. So literally, like hip hop was being born and uh, watching beach street and all those movies and have you heard my latest episode yet <laughs> not the latest latest one I'm okay in- so my latest episode is called um uh what is it called i don't even know the name of my latest episode but i go into i go into i can tell you uh, it's called the salary syndrome oh yeah the salary <laughs> syndrome thank you the salary syndrome where i talk about right basically it's about you know, how do you cope with feeling mediocre as an artist, which is anyone who's any kind of artist at some point has felt like that. And the opening story is a breakdancing story. Mm. Um, and so uh, you being a DJ, I think you're going to really appreciate it. I'll leave it at that. I don't yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always like to whenever, whenever I focus on and then we talk about specific episodes, we just dance around like what, what the topic is. And I'm like, and then I tell the listener, look, you got to go check it out. You know, listen to the show, download it, and and then you'll get hooked. Yeah, yeah I think they'll like this one. Um, and this one, like this latest one, is a good, uh, it's a good example of my basic format in terms of you know opening story that's funny, the anecdotal, um, then going into like what I call I call that the intro, and then part one, which is like the first half that kind of sets up sets up the topic and gets into the topic a little bit and then we cut to a sponsor break then we cut to the second half which is the final half and then we go into credits and then i always try to have a post credit segment um to one because it's like a fun bonus segment for the listeners but also it's an incentive to get people to listen through the credits and the and the post roll sponsor segments so um yeah i think that one's a good it's a good example of the format that I try to keep the show in. And, um, and again, if you're any kind of an artist, I think the message in that one is, is something that would really, um, relate to you. Uh, and that's another one that uses, uh, movie references in this case, um, Amadeus. Hmm. No, no beach street or breaking. Um, (laughs) no movie clips from that, but there is, there is a, uh, tangential reference to that. Okay. Which, I'll, yeah, I'm, I'm excited now. Yeah, you'll like it. But um, you talked about the format of the the podcast. Um, so we were talking a bit be- before we started recording about your interesting numbering scheme, and I think uh, you've, oh, right. it seems like you've experimented with a couple of different varieties. But yeah. just you know, for the benefit of the listener, I I I'm a bit OCD about these things. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> So I know in the beginning you started out with the title and then you said, well, maybe I should put some numberings on it. So there's obviously in 001, but then you needed to add some context to 001. So there's a 001.5. And then you realized... Oh, you have a 1.5. Yeah, you do have a 1.5. And then you realize, well, it's called Radio Film School. So maybe I should put the letters in there. So there's an RFS 002. 
And I'm like, okay. But then you're like, I got to add more content to that. So now there's an RFS bonus. And I was like, okay, what's that? And then there's just a plain old bonus in all caps. And I'm like, oh, that must be something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's an RFS 006.5 and in brackets bonus. So that's a bonus to the 0.5. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And, <laughs> and you're, you're cracking me up here. You're killing me. And then we're back to SE07, which I think is a reference to now short ends, that which is, is which I, I'm wondering why it's not RFSSE07, but that would make sense. Well, too much. actually, it is. It is, <laughs> it is now. It is now. And then there's an in brackets SE08. And uh, the latest and greatest is in brackets RFS FJ009. <laughs> <laughs> People listening to this are going to be like, what the hell is, is this about? So if you're trying to follow along, don't. Just, yeah. uh, just, just ignore the number scheme. Um, I'm getting into a groove. Like any show, you get into a groove. And so, you know, as, as we were saying before we started rolling, um, one, of the, one of the complications with my show is that there's really, <clears throat> it's really like two shows. So there's, like there's the main there's the main show which is um, where we where every season we explore a particular topic and and that one's called the, a filmmaker's journey and that's the one that's more heavily edited and that's the one where um, are usually longer and because the, they take so long to edit it's a biweekly show but I didn't want to have a, a gap or a, a two week long wait so I wanted to put in shorter episodes in the interim. And those are those are the short ends episodes, and um, short ends is a is a filmmaking reference, and so those are usually like shorter, um, more simpler documentary style episodes that are about to- any kind of topic related to cinema or television or whatnot to kind of hold you over into the next episode. So having a straight like one two three four five six number scheme didn't work because yeah these two different shows. Um, so anyway, as, as you have so um, thoroughly um, illustrated, my number scheme is like all over the place up to now. So at the beginning of the year, I decided, okay, I'm going to have like RFS, like you said, because radio film school, and then a dash and then have like an SE for a short ends episode and an FJ for a filmmaker's journey episode because those are individually numbered. And then I'm going to put the number at the end of the title. Because, you know, I was I was saying before I was on another podcast, the Digital Convergence podcast with Carl Olson. He was saying the episodes that for him that kind of stood out were the ones that didn't have any numbers in the beginning. So and given and sort of like given the kind of topics that I do, um, I think having the topic be front and center versus the number is more important and then if someone's really interested in the number they can look at, at the end of the title so we'll see how long that lasts <laughs> <laughs> three episodes right and then you'll actually like spell out the words like <laughs> episode t20 t-w-e-n-t exactly. and it'll take up every every space you have available in itunes and people will just be like i don't right, I, right. Have, I don't have no idea what this is about now don't put it past me don't. so you know in, in terms of everything that you that has taken you to where you are now and and, and the things that have inspired you obviously uh tv uh and and film was a, played a big role but before a podcaster you were also an aspiring hip-hop producer if i uh <laughs> 
if I remember my earlier shows yeah, correctly. Hardly, really. Like, I wouldn't ever say, like, there were, when I was in college for a brief stint, and I talk about this one in the episodes, me and three other partners attempted to start a artist management company, which, have you seen Straight Outta Compton yet? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Not oh, yet. it's so good. It's yeah, I so see good. That. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would not have lasted in, in like, uh, Ruthless Records or, <laughs> uh, Aftermath or any of those. Um, we started this artist management company because we had this hip hop group. So this would have been like late eighties, early nineties. And, um, it was out of Oakland, California. And the group was called Shadow Soul. And one of our partners kind of quote unquote discovered them and we were going to represent them. And, it was the whole thing was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. But like that nightmare was inadvertently not what led me to becoming a filmmaker because like 10 years later, when telling the story about that whole ordeal, I was just commenting how in retrospect, I could laugh at it and how it would make such a funny movie. And so I wanted to go to a film school to kind of learn how to, about movie making so I can make a movie about this experience. Um, I never made the movie, but I fell in love with filmmaking. And that's how I became a filmmaker. But yeah, that's, uh, that was the SOS Atlantis episode. I think that was um, in the, I think that's RFS 003. For those of you following along. <laughs> For those of you who've been paying attention to my crazy numbering screen. What was, what was interesting about that is just a reminder of all the, the crazy things we try when we're younger. I actually I partnered with a friend and we had a, a brief stint to try to manage a band and that obviously didn't, oh, wow. didn't work out as well. Yeah. But the other thing that I thought was funny that I was reminded of because it was back in like the breakdancing days is in, is in high school. I went to an all boys Catholic high school. So, oh, wow. and, and it was like super preppy and we had our blazers. But I mean, I, there's just there was just you know these clicks, right? And yeah. I was I'm Latino, so I was like, okay, the brothers and the Latinos, we're gonna go hang out over here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and we were into like hip hop. I mean, one of the one of the guys had a boombox, and he was like blasting Roxanne Chante, and it was just like, yeah, 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 that's that's what we're gonna do. And so we're like, yeah, we should form a crew. And we're like, oh man. Right. So we na <laughs> naturally had to be something like b boy hip hop. Related. And, and were you a dancer? I uh, I wasn't a break dancer, but I you know yeah. I love dancing, and I and I yeah. go, still go out dancing with my wife, and we go dancing yeah, yeah. to like house music now. Oh, nice, cool. But uh, and and that's what I DJ now. But um, yeah, I've always envisioned myself like I could I, I never pull off a windmill. You know, I I could. Oh, you're gonna <laughs> love my episode, dude. You are gonna love my episode. The fact that you said windmill. <laughs> the best I could do is some uh, some uh, popping and locking. You know, yeah, yeah. that's that's about so it. Funny. But uh, I've always been fascinated, man, by just being able to throw some cardboard down and just knock out some windmills and some head spins and all that stuff. That that yeah. scene in um, in Beach Street, the battle at the Roxy, was right, right, right. literally that thing still gives me chills to this day because I just like I stared at it and I'm just like that is the epitome of like b boy battle is right. awesome. Yeah. That's the one at the end. Is that the one at the, at the end? I think it's the one towards, it might be in the middle. It's just okay. like when they're in the big club and they all start circling each other. Oh, right, and then right, they just, right. Then they just go back and forth in, in the battling scenes. Is that the scene where the little kid gets discovered kind of by no, Ray Dong, Dong Chang? No, he gets discovered. 
Well, yeah, I think she saw him there. Yeah, yeah, she right. saw him there, and then she put him in in the show. Right. And I remember thinking, I didn't think he was all that good. No, compared to, <laughs> no it's only because he's like the actor in the movie, so they're right, like, oh, they right, gotta make right. him. I'm like crazy legs. Yo, throw yeah. crazy legs up yeah, there yeah. or something. B Street. B Street was the bomb growing oh. up. If you were into breaking, yeah. break dancing, that movie was awesome. So we so we called our crew Homeboy Nation. Homeboy Nation, cool. <laughs> And was got, that a reference to the movie? I don't remember. No, I mean just like homeboys and yeah, stuff I got like that. It. I think I, we we even went to the level of having uh, sweatshirts made. Nice, with nice. Like, with like the uh, tagging graffiti font. Ah, very cool. Very so. cool. Yeah, you're gonna dig that episode. Then. So yeah, it was cool. But um, so it's interesting because you said you know what you're saying is that experience that you had you know trying to start the the, the group you were able to learn some lessons from that. Um, and I think every it's almost, it just kind of speaks to the fact that everything we do is is there's a lesson to be learned in it somehow, and and I think we just have to pay attention to stuff that worked, and especially stuff that didn't work, you know, in terms of what not to do later on. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, numbering schemes they don't really work out. <laughs> the the other thing that um, that I've really enjoyed about your show is your ability to sort of open up and you know be personal at times i mean you, yeah, you yeah. Sh- you've shared stories about um your father um mm-hmm. and how you were again you alluded to it earlier how you were raised by your mother and one of the really really touching moments i think was when when you talked about the um the tapes that your mother made oh right yeah so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that um because that really resonated with me and and just the effect it had on you and as you know, as, as a little kid and, and what happened as a result of that. Yeah, that was so cool. My, my father, my biological father, um, a couple of years ago, he found s- some old tapes that my mother had recorded for him. So obviously, you know, my mom and dad uh, separated when I was about five or so, four or five. Um, and my brother and I were raised during formative years by her. And so when and this, we, I was born in Philadelphia. And so she moved out to Hollywood, California when I was like five or six. And, um, and he stayed in, my dad stayed living in New Jersey. He still lives there to this day. And so she would make these tapes to kind of give him updates on how, how my brother and I were doing and to remind him to send the alimony, that kind of thing. And, um, and one of the takes I, I hear her referencing that and, you know, how, you know, he still needed some money or something like that. Not in a bad way, just kind of yeah. like, you know, don't forget to send the check type of thing. But so he found like he found one of these tapes and we digitized it. And it's like, it's such a trip, Harry, man, to go back and like hear myself. I think I was seven or eight at the time talking and my wife listened to it and she started cracking up because there's this one scene, one scene, it's not really scene, but there's one part of the tape where I'm like correcting my brother on how he's pronouncing something. And like, sometimes she gets on me for doing that now. Like I'll, I'll correct her or somebody and it's, it's an annoying habit of mine that I need to stop. But it's just funny to hear like back when I was seven, I was doing the same thing. Like daddy, he didn't pronounce it right. It's really supposed to pronounce so and so. Um, so anyway, given the kind of podcast I was doing, this was like audio gold, right? Yeah. Where, um, you know, in the first two episodes of my show are, I kind of say how, um, it's called the father figure. And I kind of say how there's so many, there's so many themes of fatherhood in the movies. And I was using that as how 
fatherhood was a theme that kind of related to my story as a filmmaker because the first movie camera I ever had was a Super 8 camera that my dad had given me. And so I, I just incorporated those old digitized tapes, parts of them, into the storytelling and kind of talked about, you know, what it was like as a, as a you know, as a little kid thinking or hoping that you would, that my parents would get back together and, mm. you know, how I felt the day that my mom told us that they were getting a divorce. Because even when we moved out to California, I just assumed at some point they would get back together because I just figured that they would. And so, you know, realizing that it was going to be permanent was something that really hit us hard. And I remember making another tape later, like asking him to come back or something. And I think we were crying. He didn't have, even if he did have that one, I don't know if he would have <laughs> given it to me. But um, you were talking about getting personal and the follow-up episode to that um the following episode, which I think is a 1.5, I think that may be the <laughs> 1.5 you're referencing. Um, it was the part two to the fatherhood um, episode. Um, I'm talking to another filmmaker by the name of Patrick Moreau, and he was talking about the passing of his mother. And my mom passed away in 2008. And I was telling him the story of how every now and then um, – I could be watching something that kind of reminds me of her and like I'll just break out in tears. In that episode, I was, you know, telling the story of how I was watching Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams reboot, and the uh the scene where, you know, Vulcan is collapsing in on itself mm. and and Spot goes down to try to save his mom and you know, she like falls through the you know, she falls into the the pit or not the pit, but she falls into the abyss and he's unable to save her. And that the look on his face when everyone else is beamed up and he loses his mother. And I was, and like the first time I saw the movie, it didn't do anything to me. And then I was watching it again with my wife in bed and, uh, and I just broke out in tears. And, and so I shared that story on the podcast and I, even on the podcast, I kind of talked about, cause obviously I control whether or not what goes on the show. And yeah. I was, it's not like some filmmaker caught me crying and included it. And in, it was like, no, I'm the one recording this. And I had, and I was debating whether or not, you know, do I include it? And, and I decided to include it because, you know, like you said, my show is about being personal and it's about telling those stories and it's about, um, tapping into emotion in a way that is meaningful. And, you know, even, even if it's the host and, um, you know, I decided to keep it in for that reason and, and to let the, my listeners know up front that this was going to be a show where I didn't have any qualms about being raw and being open and putting myself out there. I think, uh, you know, I applaud you for doing that. And I think, I think more podcasters should do it Yeah, because quite honestly, it, it, it just, it establishes this connection and this vulnerability that right. allows us to put ourselves in your shoes. That story that you just told, I imagine there's going to be countless people that are listening that can resonate, you know, that were raised sure. by either a, a single mother or a single yeah. father. And just for you to have those memories in tape format, I mean, the, the, the only thing that I, I might have similar is the VHS tapes because my mm. dad took a ton of VHS. Oh, and, that's so cool. And so we do have some things. I, th I think one time my sister and I made a Kleenex commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And so it's my sister's like pretending she's in bed with the sniffles. And, huh. and we, were, we filmed it because 
it was cool. You felt, you know, when you're little and you have these toys around, and I imagine yeah. like you did with the Super 8, you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a movie maker now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bum because I didn't, because that Super 8 film, I don't have any of it. I would have really? loved to have had it. Yeah, that would be so awesome. We did, a, we did a superhero thing with my cousin one time where he pretended to be Superman. And so we did a scene where he's like grabbing the villain and he's like lifting him up. And then we did a cut to the feet and we wanted to show the feet dangling. So he's grabbing like a pipe ahead. So, and then, <laughs> nice. we, show, and then we cut to the feet and you just see the feet like in the air. <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. <laughs> VHS special effects. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I have a similar story too. About how I did my special effects. Um, but yeah, the... Yeah, I mean, I'm always, you know, I, you, you talk about being personal on your show. And I mean, I, you know, I would say it kind of depends on the show. Uh, I mean, I think there are some shows where it probably wouldn't necessarily warrant the host getting all personal. Um, but definitely for a show like mine, and, and I could see for a lot of shows where, especially if it's a conversational one like yours is, where, it, you know, it'd be cool for the host to get, um, you know, personal and, and, you know, I go all out. I mean, I have an episode where I talk about how I don't think I sound black. Um, and uh, and the name of the episode is, you know, Do I Sound Black? <laughs> Wait. Conveniently uh, enough, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that one will be easy to find. Right. Um, and it's fun. That's the one that has the, I think that's the one that has the Brady Bunch reference, uh, if the, I'm not mistaken. The, the Peter Brady time to the change. Peter, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. So, you know, so I talk about that. You know, JD clowns on me sometimes on the show and... You know, I open up and, um, yeah, I think, I think if you have a show where it, where it makes sense, it's definitely, it gives you an edge because there's, you know, particularly as you know, as podcasting has become so popular, um, you know, especially if you're doing an interview style podcast and I, and I, you know, I've, I've done coaching for filmmakers and, and small business people. And, you know, the one thing that you have that's, that is that no one else has is you in your voice um, and as a podcaster there's your literal voice but but also your 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 voice and your style what makes you unique as a person and so you know if you're creating another interview style podcast when there are so many out there you know one of the things that's going to set your show apart is your personality and who you are as uh, as a host and as a person and so I think that if podcasting is something that you're doing uh, and you have an interview, you have an interview style show, I think it's imperative personally to really in, infuse and inject your show with who you are as a person, because, you know, that is going to be a key thing to set you apart. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think, I mean, as just personally, those are the shows that I relate to because I feel like I, I, I'm sitting next to a couple of people having a conversation as opposed right, to someone right. who's just sitting there with like his five questions that he needs to ask and and then the, the, the guest gives the, the one answer response is and then you <laughs> right, right. and then you almost sense the awkwardness, even though sometimes it's a podcast, you can hear it and just like ah, there's like some awkward tension going on that's it's not fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and I think, you know, podcasters who are skilled in interviewing can probably overcome that um um i mean i never hear awkward pauses when i listen to mark Marin on wtf right mm -hmm. i mean he's been doing it for years and so um i think that um if this is something that someone is like new uh new at that you know they'll get into their groove and they'll learn how to you know 
get get rid of those awkward silences, awkward pauses. And that's why one of the, one of the things I like about your show is the fact that um, you know some of the episodes are pure like filmmaking, talking to filmmakers about the art of making film. But it's so very easy to just substitute podcast for film and apply a lot of the same lessons. Oh, sure. That you're that you're talking about and you're and you're having conversations with um, these filmmakers about, especially when you talk about the importance of uh, you know there was a whole series and and bits about uh, learning from the masters, right? And learning uh, from people who have done. Oh, this, right, right, yeah. Learning from people who have done this previously. So I'm wondering, as you because you, you weaved bits and parts of that throughout several episodes. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you learned from those conversations about uh, the importance of learning from people who have come before us. Yeah. And uh, I like that you made that, that connection about, you know, how, even though I'm talking to filmmakers, you don't, you don't have to be a filmmaker to get anything from my show. Like I think the topics that we cover because my show, and this was the reason why I started my other podcast too, because the podcasts that were out there were all about the tech. I mean, filmmakers and photographers really get into gear, and those are still some of the more popular podcasts. But I, like, I didn't want to have those kind of conversations, and so I think that um, you know the topics I talk about are topics that transcend filmmaking. And so when you talk about you know you know the masters and what we can learn from them, you know I. I think one of the key things that I learned from you know, from those interviews and 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 honestly it's something I kind of already inherently knew or kind of uh, believed for myself as a, as an artist is that um, you know we're all going to make mistakes when we're in this business. So one, uh, knowing that it's okay to make mistakes and knowing that some of the greatest people um, who came before you were mistakes. Or had mistakes, you know. Steven Spielberg wasn't born the filmmaker Steven Spielberg. Like he came into it, and most people that you admire, they had to come into their own as um, the artist that they are. And so, you know, so one learning that, um, two um, realizing that you can probably actually actually learn something. So I think in today's day and age. You know, these young whippersnappers who have access to YouTube and everything, I think oftentimes they feel like they can't learn anything from quote unquote old folks or from um, OGs, you know, OGs or, or, or old dead guys. Right. And so um, but it's amazing what you'll be able to learn from old dead guys when you start studying the kind of things that they did. And when you start realizing some of the things you do now or some of the things that you know, some person you see on YouTube doing is actually something that was started, you know, way back uh, in the olden days of something. And so understanding that mindset, I think, is something that is important. And then three, I think it's just like if you really care about an art form and podcasting, I think, is an art form. Um, when you take the time to kind of learn what people before you have done. Um, it gives you an appreciation for the art because they didn't have the technology that you have. They didn't have, you know, in the olden days, people had to fix in the olden days of radio, they had to, they had physical audio tape that they had to cut and splice together. It's very similar to film, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, if they wanted to go around and record people. They didn't 
have an iPhone that you could use or or even a small digital audio recorder that can fit in the palm of your hand. They had they had, you know, these things that they sling over their arm with a long microphone and and so you get an appreciation for the craft that um that I that I think informs how you go about and how you approach it. So that if you know that, you know, the people who came before you kind of created this foundation um, and they, and whose shoulders are standing on, when you have a respect for that, you come to the craft with a new form sense of respect and honor and dignity that I think informs and affects how you create that artwork yourself. Uh, well put. Um, one of the things you touch upon as you talk about the inspiration of films is the importance of looking at things outside of your genre for inspiration. And you, you can tie that to filmmaking. And I think of it from a podcast perspective, like I listen you know, to other genres of podcasts because I discover this huge like, uh, open field of, of people that are doing fantastic things. And, I, and you know, that's how I found your show. And you, know, you wouldn't think, oh, let me listen to a film podcast. And I, I think the beauty of what I'm doing is I'm, I'm almost more focused on w what the host is doing and how they structure the show and how they put their show together and looking for people that are interesting um, to have conversations about there because you can only talk so much about the technical, right? And then you just start yeah. to sound like every other show. Right, right. No, I think that's so smart. Um, I'm, this, I'm the same way. I listen to so many different types of podcasts, different formats, different genres and different topics. You know, obviously I mentioned This American Life. You know, I listen to um, other filmmaking podcasts like Collider and Slash Filmcast. But, but you know, I listen to podcasts about, you know, social issues that are going on. I listen to comedy podcasts. They're just two people talking and rapping. And so not rapping like rap music, <laughs> but like, you know, talking rap. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely, and I think you get something from that in terms of, like, even if you're listening to a podcast that isn't the same format as yours, I think if you listen to other podcasts that are in different genres, different formats, it can give you ideas of how to make yours a little bit different. Like, you know, maybe there's a little aspect of that talk show style that I want to inject into mine, or or maybe there's a certain way of how that interview, that person does interviews that I want to try out in mine. So, yeah, there's a lot you can get from from listening to other podcasters for sure. Um, I was thinking really quickly about, uh, briefly about um, using other films as inspiration, and so I, I saw something recently. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it yet. A, a film called Victoria. I haven't seen it yet, but I know about it, and I definitely want to do it. It's yeah, the uh, that's, it's taken in. It's a single shot. Yeah, yeah. And so what's interesting is because you know last year um, Birdman was famously known for being a. I suppose it one long shot, but they use a lot of editing tricks in order yeah. to make that. And um, but Victoria is a movie where it is literally one unbroken take. Mm -hmm. um, and from the interviews I've heard, I think it was like the fourth or the fifth take of the film before they got it just right. But yeah. they started rolling, and I haven't seen it yet. I just heard some amazing things about it, but. Yeah, they start the camera rolling, and for the next ninety minutes, what happens happens in real time. And I heard it's quite 
quite an adventure or quite an experience. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seing it. Yeah, it's, it's mind blowing because, uh, you know, I love, uh, you know, we watch a lot of film and, um, and indie films as well. And so when we saw that, I actually enjoy watching trailers more than. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, the the, sometimes, <laughs> a lot of times they're better than the movie. So sometimes I have the Apple TV and I'll, I'll just go to the trailer section. I just start I'm the scrolling. same way. I'm the same way. <laughs> we're, we're still alike, dude. Yeah. It's so and, funny. And, and then, uh, and that's where I find all these awesome movies, you know, it's like, oh my God, I got to watch that. Because if you can, although sometimes the best parts are in the trailer, but um, that when they talked about that movie, I was like, whoa, I got to see it. And then when you watch it, you get, you know, your story's really good, but you're just, I'm watching it from two angles because I'm sucked into the, this just like technical aspect of like how they pull this off and they're going upstairs and downstairs and down the street and in cars. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is like a single, it really is a single take and it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it. I might probably have to wait till it's on iTunes or Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering, uh, just to use uh, a familiar film reference, um, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, right? Of course, yeah, I talked about that on the show. Yeah, and uh, you know, we talk, people, I've, I've heard people reference it in also in you know, online marketing and, you know, podcasting. And, and it's, it's just a, a very common story um, about the arc of, uh, of anyone. And it could, you could relate it to film. You could relate it to your, your professional career. You could relate it to, you know, yeah, what, absolutely. whatever aspect life. you want to. Yeah, to life. I'm wondering if you could take a, a moment to think about uh, where you are right now in your own hero's journey. as. <laughs> It's getting deep. <laughs> That's an excellent question. Uh, part of me wants to say that I'm still in the belly of the whale, mm. the 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 abyss part. You know, you know, the hero's journey talks about, and one of the more famous movies that adheres to that is Star Wars, the original Star Wars, and um, it's you know this. Um, Part of the journey is like, you know, the hero gets a call, he refuses the call, and then he goes on the adventure and then he goes through the abyss before he comes out the other side. And so, you know, in a sense, as a, you know, I'm a small business person and we recently moved out here to, you know, Seattle and, you know, moving out here was kind of like starting over. Like we, in terms of finding new video clients, starting this new content production, content marketing side of the business. And so there's that tough part of when you're, I'm like starting new and fresh again and the challenges that you face and using all of my experience as a business person in order to kind of grow the company, what we're doing. And so, so kind of, I'm kind of, I kind of feel like I'm at, I'm at that part of the journey where, um, you're facing those challenges that you face as a small business person. And, um, you know, I, I kind of feel like I'm going through that going through that fight right now in terms of not only building the business, but also balancing that with, you know, being a husband and a dad. And, you know, one of the podcasts I listen to is Gary Vaynerchuk and he's always talking about the hustle and work, work, work. And, uh, you know, if I had my druthers, I would work easily 16 hours a day, but yeah. I can't do that, you know, uh, you know, as, as a husband and a father. And so really, balancing that makes me feel like okay i'm that's where i am in my in my, in my hero's journey now very cool yeah one of the things you said I, I in one of the shows was uh the journey is the only thing there's no destination oh wow yeah yeah and i think 
it's again, especially if you're an artist, but I think you can play this to anyone who's a small business person that um, I don't know if I ever want to arrive, you know, at a destination, you know, I mean, I always want to be growing and, you know, you think it's kind of like how the days leading up to Christmas are really more exciting than Christmas itself. <laughs> like Christmas comes and it's cool. You open it, but then it's like, yeah. it was a lot more fun leading up. It's like the 12 days. I never knew where are the 12 days of Christmas, but it's like <laughs> the days leading up to Christmas are always more exciting than Christmas itself. And I think that's what the whole journey is like too. Like that when you're on the journey of whether it's a journey of being a podcaster and you're starting out for the first time or you're in some kind of an artist that, um, you know, the, the adventures you have and the people you meet on that are, are what make life exciting. And so I think we all go through life with different journeys. So you go, th whether it's in, in the early years, those are kind of def defined by school. You know, you have elementary school, middle school. My day was called junior high, um, high school, college, whatnot. And then you have the journey of the 20s where you're kind of discovering, you know, love for the first, maybe not for the first time, but for a lot of people in their 20s, that's when they're finding like who's going to be their mate or whatnot, or kind of that they kind of start their journey as a career. So you always, you go through these ebbs and flows and these hills and valleys and, you know, whatever, whatever you decide to make as your passion in life, you know, the, the journey of getting to a quote unquote destination is, is always going to be the more, more fulfilling part. And whenever you, every time you reach the top of another hill, be looking for the next hill and, actually be looking for the next valley too because even though it's going to be scary going in it the only way you can get to the next hell hell and that and that excitement and that elation is by going through that valley um and you know sometimes the valleys will be simple and shallow and and sometimes they'll be swamp infested with dragons flying over and dead bodies floating <laughs> in the water it's a lord of the rings reference yeah. <laughs> 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 Who doesn't like fire-breathing dragons, man? That's right. I always think about in, in terms of uh, frequency. It, I, I use the term frequency a lot in my life, like frequency in terms yeah. of vibe yeah. and how I vibe with people and people's frequency and whether, you know, you meet someone, they come to the room for the first time, you're like, oh, man, bad right. mojo, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Right, right. But when you break it down to its most elemental level, we're all, we're all vibrating atoms, and I, I think of that sine wave, right? And so... Yeah. You yeah, got, I was thinking that. You got to have the uh, the valley in order to have the, the peaks. And hopefully as you get more wise, that the, the valleys become shorter um, and mm -hmm. the, the peaks last longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like to stand out. I prefer to go with the cosine waves because those are... <laughs> nerd alert. <laughs> right, nerd alert. All the math geeks out there are like, yeah, run, go for it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Right. The, but uh, yeah, no, I totally, I think that's a great analogy. The other aspect of the hero's journey is um, the importance of mentors. Oh, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So I'm wondering um, how they've played a role in, in getting to you where you're, you're at now. Um, that's a good question. So, like, I think if I think about people who have been, like, I can't. Off the top of my head, like I can't think of anyone who's sort of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi type mentor to me. Um, 
when it comes to issues like that. But I think there are, I think there are people who I have admired, who I definitely like, like learn from, um, who, you know, other, whether it's other filmmakers, um, you know, I, I think probably, you know, some of the closest things I've had to mentors in the sense of a mentorship have been more like mentors in life. So like mentors, maybe in my faith walk mm-hmm. or mentors and as mentors for me as a husband and as a father, when I think about the kind of formal mentors that I've had, people like that come to mind in terms of, you know, older men I've turned to, to get advice about marriage and fatherhood and whatnot. Um, so I think, I think that those are the more traditional mentors I've had. Uh, I think with respect to my career, um, I remember when I first started out going to some people who had been in the business a long time, kind of picking their brain. Um, but for me, it's mainly been like looking at people that I admire and kind of gleaning from them. Um, what, what they've learned, what I can learn from them in terms of the experiences that they've had. Um, but I've, ne- I've never, I don't think I've ha- ever had like a formal training mentor, but I've tried to be mentors. Like I have a mentorship program where I have filmmakers come out and I mentor them in exchange for them helping me on my projects. And I give them mentorship in business and in filmmaking and whatnot. And uh, I started it when I was in California and then I did it in, in it, when I was in Atlanta and I've started here as well too. So um, i definitely believe in it and something that I try to do um, myself. And I, I mean, I wish I had, I kind of wish I, I had a formal mentor with respect to my career as a filmmaker, like someone who is local that I could turn to or someone that I could have like a filmmaking mastermind session with. Um, I think maybe that's one of the things I get from my podcast because I talk mm. to so many yeah really talented filmmakers um, where I've had some great sessions and feedback from other filmmakers. Um, So a lot of ways, I guess my show is my mentor in a sense, or the guests that I have are like mentors to me because I'm able to, I mean, this, which is one of the things I love about podcasting. Like you, you have this excuse to talk to people who are so much better at whatever it is that you do, um, have them come on and pick their brain and, and get a lot of insight from them. Nice way to bring it back around to podcasting. Yeah, always trying, <laughs> always trying. So uh, we'll wrap up in a bit. Just a couple more questions. Yeah, sure. Um, what have you changed your mind about recently? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what have I changed my mind about recently? Hmm. I, f- I feel like there's something like on the tip of my tongue that I want to say. Uh, I have ADHD, so sometimes it's hard for me to remember stuff. Um, but I think let me come back to that one because okay. I because there's one on the tip of my tongue because I know there's something that I have. All right, I'll go with this. So uh, I think one thing I've changed my mind about is my outlook on. Uh, how to handle um, disagreements with um, with my wife mm. about the business. Um, I think when you have a small business and 
you, it's you and your spouse and you're, 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 you're dealing with, you know, trying to, like I was saying before, trying to balance between life and business and work-life balance. And before I had this mindset of, you know, always having to prove why I need to work X number of hours per week and, you know, but Gary Vaynerchuk says this <laughs> and, and all that kind of thing. And, and, and so I've decided to come at it differently and stop fighting um, with my wife, who's supposed to be the most important person in my life, right? Um, more important than the podcast, more important than the business and say, okay, how can I take the schedule that would be most beneficial to her in order to feel like like she's loved and and for her to feel like I'm contributing to the household in a way that's not just, you know, buried in my computer all the time and do it in a way that like, you know, I can get done what needs to get done and what I can focus on and how I can have a different perspective and how to look at it. Um, so rather than always trying to like fight the cause or give a debate as to like why I need something else to say, okay, I'm going to come at it from this different angle and, I'm going to like make it work within the time frame that makes sense for our family. And so I think that's one thing that comes to mind in terms of uh, you know, something I've changed my mind about, just the perspective of how I approach those kind of discussions. Cause I think, you know, I have no doubt if there are other couples out there who um have small businesses, this this is a topic that comes up. And just based on the interviews I've done with artists over the past, you know, seven years or whatever, I know it comes up a lot. So if um, the listener wants... Oh, there's another thing I've changed my mind about. I just thought about it. I think I've changed my mind about the series finale of Lost. <laughs> so when the series finale of Lost first came out, I was a huge proponent positive for it. Like I even did a whole blog post about it. Um, but over the years, it sat with me, and now I think I have an issue with it. Like, I don't think I was, I think I have a problem with the series finale of Lost now. That's a big thing I've changed my mind about. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, for me, it went completely off the rails. I don't know what the hell happened there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, one thing that was like, I guess, so spoiler alert if you're watching Lost and you haven't seen the series finale, but like, so at like at the end, we're, Jack, Jack was his name, right? Yeah. Um, where like it ends with him like looking up and he sees the plane fly over, and it, they never show like how how the hell did he get up out of the thing? Like, and like you know the original quote unquote smoke monster was created because he fell in the hole and yeah. he never get out. How did Jack get out? How did he get out? They, it's so funny with um. One one of my friends who's uh, someone I interviewed before, he's the uh, Jason Kabasi of the Walking Dead cast. Oh wow! We we cool. we, uh, we we're working on Podcastica, which is our podcast network together, right. and and so there's we we geek out, and there's a whole bunch of there's a whole section in there just TV talk where we're just like ah, oh, we're right. talking about the new show, The Leftovers, as well. Oh, and, and Damon, Damon Lindelof is producer is of that, and yeah, the 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 danger with creating a show where it gets so supernatural and out there is i mean at some point you either have to decide to try to wrap it up or just say <laughs> f it you know just right. like no i'm not gonna even try to have make sense of 
what I just did for the past five seasons. And I know. And see you later. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're, and, you're stuck with that. <laughs> right. And, and as a storyteller, I'm not one that feels you have to explain everything. Yeah. But when you throw out as many different mysteries as that show did, you got to explain. I feel like they need to explain more than they did. Yeah. Um, like there were some things like there was like I didn't need to know how they moved the island. Like that's not. But like but like there was one thing that came up a lot was like this this specific coordinates that you had to use to get either on or off the island. That went nowhere. Like <laughs> I wanted to okay, like that's the kind of thing where it's like okay, that's the kind that's the kind of thing I want to know. Like why was that such a big deal? Like there are some things you bring up that I think there's some things as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, this is a this is kind of like a delicate balance. I think there's some things that you show the audience that are, are either just MacGuffins, they can just lead the story on, and there's no need to really understand them. You know, a great example is the that's used as a MacGuffin is the glow from Pulp Fiction, the glow from inside, you know, um, Marcellus's um, suitcase. So uh, just. Uh- Explain to the listener who might not know what a MacGuffin is. Essentially, a MacGuffin is a storytelling element that kind of like propels a story along, and it doesn't necessarily have it doesn't necessarily have to have an explanation. It's just there to kind of get the story going. It's you know the people who are in the story or in the movie are 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 after it. It's the catalyst, if you will. And so, in Pulp Fiction, for the story of you know. Um, uh, Sam Jackson and John Travolta's character, they had to get back that suitcase. And they, you know, when seeing, you know, whenever the suitcase is open, there's this glow that comes out of it. Um, you never know what it is. You know, so I've heard some people say that it's the soul of Marcellus Wallace. I've heard some people say that it's gold, but it's really not something that's important. They don't really talk about it. They don't reference it. Right. Um, but when you specifically bring up something like you need to, it's very important that you enter this island at coordinate X, three, four, longitude, ABC, whatever. Um, and you bring it up multiple times. Um, normally getting on how you get on and off the island is not something that you need to make a big deal about. So if you make a big deal about it, I want to know why I need to get in and off those specific coordinates. And then, and then why in the future you seem to kind of like throw that out and people are getting on and off without those coordinates anymore. So, yeah, I've changed my mind about the series finale of Lost, I think. What's amazing is that so many years after that show ended that it's something that just popped into your mind. <laughs> 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 no, really. No, really. It I'm over 2010. it. Yeah, it's like I'm over it. No, really. No, really. Yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> so all I can only advice I can give is uh let, let it go, man. Yeah. I, I've let it go. I've let it go. Uh, so this has been fun, Ron. Yeah, yeah. This is really... Awesome. I, I had a feeling we'd have a, a good time. And, well, we, uh, have, we, we have uh, a lot in common besides from the same generation. Just yeah. like when you went off on the whole breakdancing thing, I was like, oh, we're going to connect. We're yeah. going to connect. This is going to be... This is going to get real in a minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to have our podcast battle. <laughs> for sure for sure so um i i'm tempted to uh, open up a couple other rabbit holes but uh in the interest Go of for it. <laughs> you can always edit them out throw them at the end of the episode as like bonus content yeah you do a good job of that i like that you know it's yeah. it's it just kind of speaks to the whole concept of repurposing 
um, content that you have and just like, yeah. why waste it? Yeah. I like uh, how you had a whole segment about uh, interviewing uh, women filmmakers. Oh, right, right. And it was, uh, it was important and it resonated with me because I think about the concept of like uh, women in podcasting and I, I try to have a, a balance and, I, and you made a point to say, I need to have more women filmmakers on, right? Right, right. Yeah, and so I was like, well, I, I need to make sure I've got enough women podcasters who are voicing their opinion because mm-hmm. it's just a whole, it adds a whole different dynamic. And I recently had um, Grace and Eric who host a show called Under the Comic Covers and mm-hmm. he stated like the importance of having a female co-host uh, as something that was critical for yeah. the dynamic of the show. So I'm wondering what, uh, how that, if that's colored anything that you've thought of as, as you're looking to grow the show. Uh, what specifically? But, uh, Female. Yeah, just importance of having a, a balanced perspective. I mean, I think for my show, it's really important, um, which is why I, you know, made the effort to reach out and get more female filmmakers on the show. Even on my last podcast, Crossing the 180, I did something similar. I was like, wow, everyone I'm interviewing are male. And I had a, you know, a, a women in filmmaking kind of like series stint on, on that show as well. So I think. You know, obviously, the talk of diversity has been really big, particularly in you know my industry, the filmmaking movie industry, because of the Oscars. I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but one of the big things has been the lack of diversity amongst the Oscar nominees, and so there's a lot of talk in Hollywood about changes to how the academy how the Academy um, nominates its. Um, nominates people for for the, for the awards, and there's a lot of talk about diversity in Hollywood and not only from a racial perspective, but also from from uh, a female perspective, from women in the industry. Um, you know, Jennifer Lawrence has had this open letter that she sent out about how, you know, when the Sony hack happened, um, uh, emails that people at Sony had about the, the salaries that she and her other co-stars of... Um, uh, what's the name of that movie that David O. Russell forgot? It was like American... Um, American Hustle? American Hustle, yeah. right. Um, how her co-star, her male co-star is made more than her, even the ones who aren't necessarily as big a star as she is. And so, um, so I think, and so with all these conversations going, the thing, the, the common theme, even in podcasting, I would say I've been hearing conversations. So a podcast I listened to is Startup Podcast by Gimlet Media. Mm-hmm. They had a whole episode about diversity. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then the, um, the podcast, uh, there's another, the people who do the podcast movement, they have a podcast, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, had a segment about diversity where they had the, the host from um, from uh, another round, the two female oh, hosts yeah. from another round talking. Um, and the thing that comes up is that when you, because you have a diverse audience, it only behooves you and benefits your show when you have diversity because there's a larger audience that you're speaking to um and who are going to relate to you know the the people in your show and the stories on your show and if you have a show where the people listening never feel like they hear someone who kind of represents them whether it represents them from a racial represents them from a gender or represents them from a even a uh you know a career a role like you know uh standpoint that they'll be less inclined to want to tune in all the time and they don't ever feel like they're 
hearing anyone that kind of represents who they are as well or someone that they can relate to. So I think, you know, the more diversity you can have on your show, I think the better. Um, it also makes for more interesting conversation. Yeah, it was interesting because one of the women I, on the on your show mentioned the fact that she never had anyone to aspire to. You know, since early on, there weren't a lot of female directors. She couldn't point right. to one and say, oh, I want I, I know that that's possible because I see a person that's doing it, you know, that's a female. Right, and, right. And so I think it's just a conscious effort to be aware of that. And you never know. I think we sometimes take for granted how impressionable young children are and how. Yeah, for sure. And how they can see just by virtue of seeing someone doing something, feel, understand that it's now in their capacity to, to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely something that came up a few times, the idea of, you know, when these filmmakers were uh, younger, who they looked up to um, as other filmmakers or potential filmmakers. Very cool. Okay, one last one. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> What's the uh, most misunderstood thing about you? The most misunderstood thing um, I would have to say, um, all right, so this is going to be interesting. So I would guess that people would probably think I'm more liberal than I actually am. Like if you were to ask Ron, like, is he a Republican or a Democrat? I'm neither, by the way, yeah. but I... But in terms of like my my personal beliefs and, and philosophies and stint, um, I, I probably have a much stronger conservative stint than I think people would assume if they were like just to see how I interact. And I, and I think I, I think that could be for a lot of reasons. Could be because I think you know because I'm African American and and a lot of things that I speak out against are issues that. You don't necessarily hear a lot of conservatives speak out against. So, like, I'm very passionate about fighting against injustices in, in our country and our world and, like, sex trafficking and, and hunger and that kind of thing. And, you know, particularly the plight of African-American men in this country, what they've been going through. And so, um, you know, I, I think I can see that as being something that people may misunderstand about me that, um, you know, and I haven't heard anyone speak to this, so I don't. That's just a guess on my part, um, in terms of, you know, how I, you know, how I, the kind of things that I talk about publicly, um, the kind of standpoint, the kind of uh, understanding a person might have of the kind of person I am, based on what they see or what they hear. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, yeah, I alluded to it earlier, but like my faith informs a lot of kind of decisions I make, and I think there are a lot of people who. Uh, I'm a Christian, so I think that a lot of people who call themselves Christian who don't do or look anything like who I believe the person of Jesus was, and so I think that um, I think that's one thing that is that really defines like kind of like what direction I go. Which is why I don't call myself really liberal or conservative. I'm just this person who's trying to live a certain way and try to treat people a certain way, and so um, I think that. I, I, I've never been one to even like titles in the first place, but I would guess that if people were to put a title on me, that's probably the title they would put. 
And that would be a misunderstanding of who Ron Dawson is as a person. Well, amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> preach, preach up. Well, Ron, uh, I want to thank you for uh, making the time to come on. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, great. Hope, hope you enjoyed our, our conversation. I, 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 I had as much fun as I, I thought I would have prior to yeah. starting. Yeah, so, so. I, yeah, yeah, so, I, so I did too. So. so what's the best place for folks to track you down online? Uh, probably Twitter. My Twitter is um, DareDreamerFM. That's my company, DareDreamerFM. Um, and um, the, if you want to check out the podcast, just RadioFilmSchool.com will get you to all the shows. And obviously, subscribe in iTunes and leave a rating and review because that really helps the show, which I'm sure you know. Yeah, as all podcasters know, please as go all, ahead. I highly right. recommend you you folks check out the show. Um, it's definitely on my on my must-play queue Thank now. You. So appreciate <laughs> it, man. And uh, I'm really excited about what you have coming because if, if what you've put out so far is any indication, it's going to be some quality stuff. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Take care and uh, have a fantastic day. All right, you too. So I think you got a good feeling for just how well we vibed on that show. And one of my to-dos is to actually make it over to the Brady Bunch house, which is 15 minutes away from me. So it's a shame that I haven't done so already, but uh, having grown up with that show, it's something that I need to do ASAP. So thanks to Cedar and Soil for providing the intro outro music. Check them out at cedarsoil.com. And that's my good buddy, George. And uh, he's doing some fantastic work there. So when you get a chance, please go and check that out. As I referenced at the top of the show, we are a member of Podcastica. And now we're happy to have the One Mind Meditation Podcast as part of our growing family. So check out all the shows at podcastica.com. And if you want to support the show, there's three things that I need all of you to do. So focus put down uh, the, fo- the phone. No, actually, don't put that on the phone. <laughs> you might not be able to uh, to listen to what I have to say, so scratch that. So anyway, just uh, focus and stop trying to multitask and just listen. I said three things, right? So first is more important, most importantly, um, subscribe. Subscribe to the show, and then that way you get all the updates. You, you hear all the cool shows, guests that we have on. And I'm actually going to be including some new episodes that I call uh, Podcast Junkies Elsewhere, where I've been featured on um, as a guest on other podcasts. And I think um, they provide more insight into me uh, as the host of the show. And so I think um, I'll, I'll tag them differently in the uh, iTunes. And so that way you can tell which ones are regular episodes and which ones are bonus ones. So that way, if you want to, you can just skip them and just listen to the regular weekly shows. Uh, so that's why it's important to subscribe because you don't want to miss all that stuff. Um, if you're new to the show, I highly recommend you head on over to podcastjunkies.com slash iTunes and listen to five episodes that catch your attention and get a feel for what this show is about. And then you'll figure out what everyone else is talking about when they're saying that Podcast Junkies is just the most amazing show for podcasters about podcasters who like to podcast about podcasting with their podcasts. Secondly, if you're getting value out of it, make sure you tell other people. So pick one person. Thank you, iPhone reminder. Uh, (laughs) Pick one person that you're going to tell the show, that you're going to talk to about the show this week. Do it. And then uh, send me a text. And um, the first person to tweet me at podcast underscore junkies with the tagging someone that they mentioned the show to who's new 
that you got them to subscribe will get a free t-shirt for me. So uh, hurry on up and do that and I'll keep an eye out. Lastly, but not leastly, leastly is not a word, but I just said it. Um, head on over to iTunes if you haven't done so already. Leave me and review, which is the lifeblood of the show. So I do that for regulars. And for regular listeners, if you've already left a rating and a review for my show, go leave a rating and a, re- a review for another show. Someone that you listen to week in, week out, and you said, you know what? Um, I always check the show, and I've been meaning to do that review for them, but I haven't done so. Uh, do that. Use this opportunity to think about the shows that you get value from week in and week out, and go ahead and show them some love, because they really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Uh, podcasting is our lifeblood, and we want to keep on doing it. And there's nothing better than the social proof of seeing a lot of five-star reviews on iTunes to show new listeners that this is something they should be checking out. So thanks again. And if you've made it this far, then I think um, we're going to use something that's related to, let's see, something about film school. So we'll talk, uh, since we talked about that at length and about movies uh, and old school, um, (laughs) Okay, since since uh, Ron mentioned his his crush on Jan, I think um, w- what we'll do is uh, do Ron and Jan as the hashtag R O N A R O N A N D J A N hashtag Ron and Jan and uh, tag myself uh, podcast underscore junkies and uh, Dare Dreamer FM, which is Ron's uh, Twitter handle. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a kick out of that. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Looking forward to next week where we chat to another member or another other members of the podcast family, um, Brittany and Amanda from uh, Once Upon a Podcast. And that's a really fun and funny conversation. And uh, those ladies rock. So don't miss that. Take care. Have a fantastic week and go spread the podcasting love across the podverse. See ya. See <laughs> ya.